Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to see you all here this morning and a big welcome to all those listening at home as well on our podcast. We're going to have a great time this morning in the Word of God. So we have been doing a four-part series these last four weeks, looking at four of our values here at Life Community Church. You'll see all the others uh, there on our banner. We are. So we have been looking at We Are United. We are purposeful, we are authentic, and today I'm going to be looking at our last one for this series, We Are Devoted. Who's been enjoying the series so far? Give me a wave if we've been challenged, challenged by being more united, living more purposeful, and being more authentic together. So, we are devoted. What does the word devoted mean? What does that actually mean? Well, devoted means to be faithful, to be constant, and to be loyal to something. So if we are devoted, we are faithful, we are constant, and we are loyal to something or to someone. So a little story for us. A few months ago, back in November now of last year, we had a family party. So we went out for a meal over in Worcester at a nice Italian restaurant because all of my family are Italian so we love all the Italian food and we were all there chatting away and one of my cousins was there called Danny. Now Danny's all grown up now, he's got three children of his own but one thing about Danny is Danny is a sporty young man and he loves all sport, particularly football And as a youngster, Danny grew up and he was a massive fan of a certain football team, Aston Villa. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing anymore. I'm looking at the faces of a few of our gentlemen here to work that out. He loved Aston Villa. He would go to all their matches whenever he could. He'd buy all their scarves and T-shirts and everything else. And he loved Aston Villa. But there was one player in particular that he really loved. And it was this particular player that actually got him into really supporting the team. So we're all there having this nice meal and all chatting away. And suddenly a few of my cousins are all getting around Danny. And I'm thinking, I'm missing out on something. I must find out what I'm missing out on. So we'll go down the table. I'm like, everything okay? Danny, you okay? Danny's sitting there looking rather nervous, usually a very animated guy, and I said, what's the matter, Danny? And he said, uh, 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 so, someone's just walked in, I've just noticed somebody in the restaurant, and in the corner was a couple, they looked very romantic, all in love, and a guy, sort of middle-ages by now, with what I'm guessing was his girlfriend, and Danny said, he used to play for Aston Villa. He used to be the player, my favourite player. 
He was the one that got me devoted completely to Aston Villa. So we were all like, you've got to do something. You can't just sit there. Get your phone out, film him, go over to him, get an autograph. I'm getting very excited at this point. No, I can't, I can't. So you may never get this chance again, Danny. Suddenly he's umming and ah in fact, what is ages? And then we see the guy and his girlfriend get up. They paid the bill and we see them walking across the restaurant. At this point, we literally pick Danny off the chair, walk him across and say, you have got to do something. So we push him in his direction. He stumbles across to the ex-Aston Villa player and in a real stumbling fashion says, you used to play for Aston Villa and... I love you. That was it. He just stumbled out some words. It didn't come out well at all. At which point, all of my family then gathered around the football player and looking at him and chatting with him. It was a little moment we had for about five minutes and then off he went, probably pretty relieved to get out that restaurant away from the mad lot that we were. And Danny had his moment. And he said, after he'd gone, he sat down, he took a breath and said, I can't believe I've actually seen him in person. Like, I've followed him since I was a child. And he was the very reason why I totally became devoted to the villa. Totally got me into supporting that team. And see, Danny loved football and Danny loved Aston Villa. And he became devoted to Aston Villa throughout his childhood and teenage years. And see, we are devoted to the things we love. We're devoted to what we love. We make time and we find energy for the things that we choose to be devoted to. What things are you and me devoted to? Maybe some of us were devoted to our work. We're devoted to our homes. We're devoted to our families, our friendships. Maybe we've got hobbies that we're completely devoted to. Maybe we love going to the gym, looking after our car. Maybe going out and looking after our appearance, buying clothes. Maybe we're devoted to social media, getting lots of likes on Facebook and getting very busy on Twitter. Maybe we're devoted to making money. Maybe we're devoted to our dreams and to where we think we want to be in five, ten years' time. You see, we've all got a devoted list. We've all got one. Whether we realise it or not, whether it's an intentional list or unintentional, you've got a devoted list. And there's certain things on your devoted list I've got a devoted list. There's certain things that I'm devoted to that I will give my energy and my thinking to and my time to because we're all devoted to something. But see, we only really become devoted to what we like, to what we love. We become devoted to the things that if we're not doing those things or making time for those things in our life, we feel like something's missing. We feel like, oh, I need to be doing that thing. I need to be putting energy and time towards those things that I'm devoted to. See, we live what we love. 
Whatever you love, you'll live it. Whatever you love, you'll become devoted to. And devotion starts, really, with where our heart is and what those things are that we love. See, I wonder if we sat here and took a moment this morning to think about our devoted list, your devoted list. I wonder what would spring up. I wonder what would be number one, two, three, nine, ten. I wonder what would be on your list. I wonder if you're devoted to the right things or the wrong things. Are we devoted to the things that will give us the long-term benefits or maybe just the stuff that gives us temporary pleasure or satisfaction? And for those of us here and those of us at home who are listening that are Christians that love Jesus, here's a real tough question for us. How devoted are you to your relationship with Christ? How devoted are you? Is your devotion lacking? Could it be better? Is it going great at this moment in time? Has your devotion to Jesus? And I like to think of our devotion as a bit of a scale because this can help us sometimes. So we've got our two volunteers here, Catherine. Catherine's holding a number one. And over here, we've got David, and he's holding a number 10. And it can help us to think about our devotion to Jesus, a little bit like a scale. Because over here, we've got number one. And number one, this could signify, I've just got going in my devotion to Jesus. I've just stepped in, as it were, into this whole Christian faith into starting to find out about Jesus and in starting to take my very first steps in living a life that's devoted to Christ. Over here, right at the end of the scale, we've got number 10. And 10 signifies I am totally devoted. I'm completely sold out. I am 100% devoted to Christ. And here... We could pretend we've got number five. We've got the middle. And all that the middle part of our devotion would represent. I wonder this morning, for those of us who love Jesus, those of us who are Christians, where you would rank yourself, whether you'd say, I'm around number one. I'm around the middle. I'm right up here at the ten. Maybe for some of us, if we're really honest, we're not as high up the scale as we'd like to be. Maybe we'd like to be somewhere up here, but the reality is we're sort of finding ourselves continually right down here at number one. Maybe for some of us, we started off really well in our devotion, but for some reason or another, we've got stuck. It's like, I can't move. I'm stuck on the same spot and I don't know what to do. Maybe for some of us, we used to be higher up. But stuff's happened. 
stuff's come into our life, situations, distractions, pressures, and we found ourselves drift down in our devotion to Jesus. Maybe we remember a time when oh, I was so much more devoted. I was so much more faithful, but X, Y, and Z came along, hit me, and I've slipped right down. Maybe for some of us here and listening, we're like, hey, I'm not even sure if I'm on the scale. I'm sort of like, not even on the one. I'm like, minus one. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still even wondering whether I even want to step onto this devotional life with Jesus. And that's okay too. If we're there, brilliant. You're listening. You're here. You're at home taking time to listen. That's okay. But hey, wherever we are this morning, God knows. But there's good news for all of us. And we're going to look at a passage this morning where we're just going to be looking at a group of really normal individuals who made a decision to become devoted to Jesus. And we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. But just before we do, just to give us a little bit of context to this passage so we know what's happening. So Jesus died, came back to life, and his disciples, his very close friends, watched him ascend back to heaven. But he promised them, when I go, someone else is coming. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And these very, very early Christians started then telling one and two and three and four people about Jesus. And eventually, one day, they were together. And someone called Peter, one of the disciples, preached. And 3,000 people decided to devote their lives to Christ and got baptized straight away. Can you imagine the logistics of that? 3,000 people believed and be baptized. That'd be a lot of work for the hospitality team on that time together, wouldn't it? That'd be a big job for the welcome team. This was, this was what was happening. 3,000 people. And this is exactly where we're jumping in. Peter's preached. 3,000 people have believed. They've been baptized. And here we are. Acts 2. Verses four, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. What a passage. Let's put ourselves right in there so we can really find out what's going on. Jesus is gone. 
They've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've got no manual. They've got no instruction book. They're just taking their first steps and just finding out what they're meant to do. They're learners. They've got their L plates on. All they know is that they found out something about Christ that they can't keep to themselves, that they've got to tell other people about. But they didn't know what they were doing. So they just got out there and started telling people about Jesus. Do you ever feel like a learner? Do you ever feel like you wish someone would throw you a manual? When you're a parent, do you ever feel like a learner? No one gives you a manual when the child comes out the womb. They say, here it is, and off you go, and we hope for the best. When you become a Christian, you don't get given a manual as you come out of the baptismal tank. Here's what you need to do next. We've got the Bible, that's our manual, and then we just have to go. We just have to get on with it. When you get married, did I give you a manual? This is how the perfect marriage has got to be, wives, husbands. No, you say your vows, you look at each other, you think, right then, let's get on with this. And you find as you go. So much of life, we're just learners, aren't we? We haven't got manuals, we haven't got questions and answers and solutions and formulas. A lot of the time, we just have to get on. For many of us, we've got situations in our life where we're just like, God, I don't know. All I know is I've got to trust you. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what it's going to look like in a month's time. But all I know is I've got to trust you. Because we've all got the owl plates on. We're all learners. And that's how it's going to be to the day we see him. We're learners. We haven't got the answers. But we know we can look to the God who's got the answers. And this was exactly what these very early Christians did. They thought, we found out something too great to keep to ourselves. This Jesus, we don't get it all. Why did he even leave us? We don't even get that. But all we know is we've got to become devoted to him. And as I was preparing this, this is just a word, maybe for one person, maybe even for someone at home listening. But I just felt God saying, don't quit halfway. Don't quit halfway. Let it come to full term. Whatever God's doing in your life, don't quit halfway but let it come to full term. The situation you're going through, the thing you're dealing with, let it come to full term. Merv, we love Merv. He's recently had an operation. Can you imagine if halfway through that operation on the bed, he said, I'll change my mind. Sew me back up, I'm getting off the bed, forget the rest of it, I'm done. Had to go full term. He had to let the operation completely be completed and then go through the period of rest. A pregnant woman, 
Six months in, I've had enough now. I can't be bothered with the last three months. It's the worst. You don't sleep anyway. She's got to go full term. She's got to let the work be done. And I just feel that's the real word for some of us this morning. That God's just saying, don't quit halfway. But let it go full term in your life. So Lord, I pray for whoever that word is for this morning, whether they're here physically in the building or whether they're listening at home, that you will give them the patience, the endurance and the strength to go full term with you. Not to quit halfway, but to allow you to complete the process and the journey in their life. And they will see the result and the harvest and the impact at the end of that full term. In Jesus' name. Amen. So coming back to the passage here. So these very early Christians, they had their L learner plates on. But what were they doing? Well, just really quickly to break it down. They were coming together. Often. It keeps saying the word together. It sounded like they were even meeting together, some of them, on a daily basis. They were intimate. They were doing life together. Where you saw one Christian, you'd probably see another five Christians following quickly after them. They were coming together often, even daily. When they came together, what was going on? Well, they were sitting under the teaching of the apostles They were being taught, they were being explained about God's word, about Jesus. They were praying. They were what we've just done this morning. They were breaking bread. They were remembering Jesus' death on the cross. And they were fellowshipping in each other's homes. Hey, we love food in this church, don't we? We'll have cakes like at the drop of a hat. But actually... Fellowship for them and food for them was major. They were in and out of each other's homes, eating, drinking, laughing, talking, sharing, praying. Not just once a year, not even just once a month, but this was on a regular basis that they were together. And what was its impact? Well, they were the most miserable bunch of people going. No, they were joyful They were a joyful crowd of believers. They were exceedingly generous to the point where whatever whatever one had, everyone had. They threw all their lot in together, as it were, into one pool so nobody went in need. Because if one had more and one had less, the one who had more would say, well, you have some of mine, then you've got more, I've got less, but it doesn't matter, because then when I need more, you'll give me more. And they were exceedingly generous together. And I love this. Right at the end, if we can go to that very last verse there. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. On a daily basis, they were growing. So, for instance, today's Sunday, and we're going to meet together again next Sunday. That's seven days. That's seven dailies. So, for them, next Sunday, there would have been loads more people here than today because on a daily basis, 
They were being added to and they were growing and growing and growing. Absolutely incredible. These early disciples, they abounded in their devotion. They weren't just a teeny-weeny little bit devoted when they felt like it, but they were abounding in their devotion. See, it's a bit like if you took all the early Christians to a swimming pool. You know, you go swimming with some people and they're like, I'm just going to sit on the side I'll put my bathing suit on, but I'm just going to sit. Like, we were on holiday with, like, a group of loads of leaders, and we were like, come on, let's all get in the pool. And some of them did, and then I'm just, I'm, I'm happy here. I'm happy paddling. Putting a foot in, this is good. You know, putting a finger in, this is good. But you took these early believers swimming, and they were like, we are jumping in. We are going straight in. We are going to get wet from head to toe, we are going to swim, we're going to go off the diving boards, we're going to go up and down, we're going to drag everybody else with us. They were just, they were fully throwing their light in for Christ. They were fully going for it. They were not holding back. They were not like, I'm going to give it two years and see how I get on. They were like, you know what? He's changed our lives, so I'm going to give him my life. They were just fully throwing their lot in. And later on, we see in the course of history that many of them became martyrs. What's a martyr? A martyr is someone who's willing to die for their faith. And many, many of the apostles and the early believers suffered terrible deaths for their faith. We're talking terrible. We're talking they would be, they would be put on stakes and they would be burnt alive for people to watch. We're talking like they would be put in a coliseum in public display and be thrown in there and the wild animals would be come out and they'd be torn alive. We're talking they would be stoned to death. Why would you do that? Why would you be willing to not just die but die in such a hideous fashion? Because they were totally devoted to Christ. They were totally devoted. It wasn't one foot in, one foot out. I'll see how I feel, shake it all about, whatever day of the week it is. They were totally like, we are serious about this Jesus because he's changed our life. And see this morning, we can read this, we can think about this, and we can think, yeah, but... I am nowhere near devoted like one of these early believers, Leanne. Nowhere near. We might say they were definitely at the top of the scale. They were definitely a number 10. Like, Leanne, I'm, I'm barely a one, two, three. I don't even know if I'm on the scale. But see, God sent them the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit that empowered them and helped them to live a life that was devoted. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's not changed. 2,000 years later, it's the same Holy Spirit. And it's the same Holy Spirit that wants to come over your life and wants to come over my life and help you and me to live a life that's devoted to Christ. Are we going to have to die for our faith? I hope not. Are we going to be persecuted for our faith? I hope not, but we don't know. 
Is it always going to be easy to be devoted to Christ? No, that's for sure. Are we going to have to make tough choices in the cold light of day? Yes. Is it worth it? Totally. All the way. So I'm just going to throw out in the time that we've got left just three really quick keys that I believe can really help us to grow in our devotion to Christ. And the first one is personal decisions. You see, I've got a friend that I've met, one of the mums at school who's from Singapore. And we were chatting a few months ago and she said, oh, one of the things I love about this country are the seasons. You get autumn, you get spring, you get summer. You have to buy different clothes. She said, back in Singapore, we wear the same thing all year through because it's hot all year through. She said, we don't have seasons. She said, I love it. It's amazing. And see, just like there's physical seasons in our country, there's seasons of our soul. There's seasons of our life that we pass through. Maybe for some of us this morning, we're in a season that is tough, that is hard. Maybe you're at home listening and there's stuff going on that you just think, just get me out of here, God. I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to carry the load that I'm carrying. Maybe we're in a season that's good. God's blessing us. Opportunities are opening and we celebrate together. But see, we go through seasons of our life. Some seasons it's easy to say, I'm devoted to God. It's easy. Other seasons, it's hard. We, we don't want to be devoted because it's hard. But see, we've got to come to a place, each one of us, where we make a personal decision, where we just say, God, you know what? Whatever it takes, whatever the season I'm going through, I'm going to make a decision to follow you. When I'm having a good month, I'm following you. When I'm having a bad month or a bad year, I'm following you. We've got to make a personal decision. And only you can make that decision. See, some of our decisions will mean saying no to certain things. If we want to be devoted to Christ seriously, maybe sometimes we've got to say, no, I'm not going to watch that program, go to that place, have that relationship anymore spend my money on that thing, give my time and my energy and my thinking to those projects or people, we might have to say, no, because I'm making a personal decision. We may have to say yes to some other things instead. But we've each got to make a personal decision. Those early Christians, yes, they were together, but each of them personally had to make their own decision. I'm going to be devoted. And you know what? It probably cost me my life. You know what? Probably won't get to 50. Probably be dead by then. Probably be in heaven. But I'm so devoted. I'm making a personal decision. What personal decisions have you got to make this morning? Have I got to make this morning? So we can be more devoted to Jesus. 
Second one, private disciplines. See, at some point today, hopefully, many of us will eat. All of us will eat. Why do we eat? We eat to refuel our bodies, to replenish our energy, to help our minds. We make time to eat. We're re-energised. And that's just our physical being. But spiritually, it's so important that we feed ourselves because that is how our devotion to Jesus will grow. Regularly, even on a daily basis if you can, I encourage you, feed yourself. Get some private disciplines going that will help you. This is the key way we'll ever go up that scale, we'll ever take steps forward in our devotion to Christ. I heard someone once say, how much prime time do you spend at the vine? How much prime time do you spend at the vine? Debbie's laughing, she likes that one. Prime time, time that counts at the vine, that's with Jesus. How much time do we spend? What can we do? Hey, we can be creative, we can do different things. We can, our Bible, I've got my Bible here today. It's our manual, isn't it? Find ways that you can plug into this. Even daily. Five minutes every day is better than no minutes every day. Ten minutes every day is better than ten minutes a week. Find ways that you can plug into the word because when the tough times come, and they will, but we've made our personal decision It will be our private discipline in the word that will help us get a devotion. Word for you today, daily bread, stuff on your phones. There's loads of things. I've got one here, wake up to the word. Just one word that I can read every morning that can give me a trigger, that can give me a thought. There's so much stuff out there. If you want to know more, come and talk to me. We'll point you in the right direction. But find ways that you can plug into the word How about a journal? It's so great to write down, to keep records of what God's talking to you about. I've got a diary, and every day I'll just take a moment. Oh, I think God said that. Quickly, let me write it down. I don't want to forget it. I'll I'll forget it tomorrow. You can look back. You can encourage yourself. Go for a walk. Put on some worship music. Pray with another Christian. Just do something. Do something to help those private disciplines go forward. And finally, as we bring it into land, public devotions. There was an ad a few years ago. It was by a company, Prudential, and it had a couple. They were brummies. And uh, I don't know if any of you remember it, but the only bit in the whole ad that I can remember is they kept saying, we want to be together. We want to be together. Anybody remember that ad? Give me a wave. There's a few of us. I googled it this week, it made me laugh again. We want to be together. You see, these early Christians, they were all about being devoted together. Together, together, together. Nobody was a little one-man island saying, oh, I'm not a together person, I'm not like that, I like to be by myself. No, regardless of your personality or your temperament, they were together. And our public devotions together are so powerful. How can we be devoted together? Sunday worship. Let's not forsake this. 
Let's not say I'm too busy. I'll just watch TBM for 30 minutes at home. I'll be all right. I'll come in a couple of weeks. This is so powerful when we're together because it does something for our spirit. Life groups, men's, women's, flourish, momentum. We're together. We're together. We're encouraging one another together. Opening our homes, inviting someone around for a coffee, cooking them a meal, having beans on toast, together, together, together. That's the way that we'll grow. We're called to be together and to help one another together. So this morning, our time has gone. But I'm just going to invite you just to stand with me as we come to an end this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.